right, well, good morning. Good to see everyone out this morning. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. Looking forward to a wonderful day. We're a little lopsided today, a lot of folks on this side, and uh, so just going to have to smile a little bit bigger over here, And uh, but I do appreciate you being here in the Lord's house. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer, see what he has for us this morning. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, to worship and to praise you. Lord, we ask for your uh, presence to be in our presence this morning. Lord, pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, with our missionary this morning, Lord, I pray that you would fill him and give him unction and liberty to preach this morning. Lord, pray that you would give us exactly what we need to hear to encourage us to serve you with more zeal than we ever have. Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you do. And if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray that today be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. For our first song this morning, we'll be singing page 251, Near the Cross, page 251, and we'll be singing the first, second, and the last verse. Page 251. second song this morning we'll be seeing page 411 the solid rock page 411 and for this one we'll be seeing the first second and the last verse as well
take your time for a time of fellowship. As you make your way back to your seats, our, our final song for this morning will be page 138, Love Lifted Me, page 138, and we'll be seeing all verses.
did sing in this morning, and again, do appreciate you being here in our services. Some time ago, the uh, Lord put the Steinbart family on my heart, and they uh, came to our church probably, uh, it's probably been over a year, well over a year ago, and uh, they're missionaries, and uh, they're on deputation right now, and trying to uh, raise funds to get to the mission field. And they have a real heart for the mission, and uh, I, my heart was kindled with theirs. And uh, as they presented the ministry the first time, and uh, I had one of one or a couple of the missionary or the our deacons come to me and said, "What about that family?" And so uh, I said, "I I really would like uh, for them to come back and present the ministry once again to us. Uh, this is a family that uh, I, I believe the Lord's got His hand on." And so I'd like for you to pray for them. And he comes and his wife, the Steinbart family, if they come and uh, present the ministry this morning. What he's going to do is he's going to, they're going to do a special. And then he's going to um, give just a brief overview of their mission. And then he's going to preach. And then in the second service today, he's just going to have all we're going to do. So I'm going to encourage you to stick around for our second service He's just going to show the slideshow and then uh, going to do any, any questions that you may have. And that's all the second service is going to be, uh, so maybe uh, 20 minutes, something like that. Uh, so if you could stick around, I really want you to get to know this family, all right? So I do appreciate uh, your willingness to do so. Brother, would you come and do as the Lord leads? Like Pastor said, we were here, we were trying to figure out a little over a year ago, and we did get to present, and we're still going to Kenya. So here's a little bit, very short overview of what God's calling us to do in Kenya. We were able to get a better view of that this last July. We spent two weeks in Kenya with our coworker, and what they would like us to do is we're going to be working with them. They're working with their church, and then their church has planted 35, actually 36 now, I remember the extra one, but 36 churches throughout East Africa, which means that's in Kenya, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, in Burundi, in Tanzania, and this year, December, they just planted one in South Sudan, and I'll explain some more of that later. But so what they'd like us to do is they would like a new version of the Swahili Bible, so they want me to help translate that, um, start work with music, and then of course just be another person helping to plant new churches and strengthen the ones they already have. That's kind of the short wordy definition of what we're going to do and so we're excited we're at 73 percent of our support and lord willing we'll be on the in kenya by the end of this year and there's some reasons for that so 
We'll talk about more about it in the second service, I guess, here. And then, of course, any questions, feel free to ask us. I've been to Kenya three times now. My wife's been there twice. And we will be, we love questions, okay? So if you have a question, ask it. We will do our best to answer it. This morning, I'm going to, um, I have a lengthy introduction, I should say, for, for this, what um, God's laid in my heart. And it's just what God has been teaching me recently. And if I can get this to open up. I'm going to start off by reading some verses. And so while I'm reading these verses, I don't want you to turn these passages. I just want you to listen. And there is one common theme, okay? So you've got to pay attention. I want you to listen and tell me. And then at the end, I'm going to ask you what the theme is, because that's really where we're going with the message today. All right, so Romans 1.17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Hebrews 10.38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. James 1.2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. James 2.14, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? All right, so what is the common theme through all those verses? Faith, right? And those are all very common verses. You're all familiar with those, aren't you? But you know, if you were to do a study, even on just the word, look up in Strong's and look up the word faith, you know that word faith occurs over 200 times in our Bible. Do you think faith is important in the Bible? Now, we can't talk about everything there is about faith. There just isn't time. Even if we were to start at, say, 8 this morning and preach all the way through, I don't think my voice would last that long, and I think you all would be tired, but we still would not cover everything there is about faith. Okay, so that's not possible. But we're going to touch a couple aspects of faith, but to start off with, have you ever asked yourself, you know, here we, that verse, that word is used so much, have you ever asked yourself, what is faith? I mean, obviously, we kind of have an idea of our faith, but sometimes it seems, at least in my mind, sometimes it seems kind of nebulous. It's hard to exactly define what faith is. And so I'm going to hopefully this morning in part of the introduction define what the Bible says, what is faith, and then um, how do we know if we have it or how do we get faith, okay? And then there's a third aspect, and that's really where we're going to be heading the whole time. But the first two, very short, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, obviously that's the verse probably most of us think of. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So let me rephrase it in our words, okay? What does that mean? And as I was studying through faith, trying to get an idea of what it was, get a handle on it, faith is a confident expectation. That's what the word hope means in the Bible. When you see word hope, it means you have a confident expectation. I know this is going to happen. All right? So faith is a confident expectation of something, and yet there is no human reason for that hope. So Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We have a confident expectation. This is going to happen. The evidence of things not seen. There's no physical proof. There's no reason why we should think that. So, all right, let me give you some examples. Um, Peter walking on the water. You know, did Peter have confidence? I, we all know he sank, okay? We're not there yet. But did Peter have confidence that God was going to keep him up on the water? I mean, he stepped out of the boat, didn't he? And yet, humanly, is that possible? I mean, it's, the water was not frozen, okay? That is not possible to walk on water, all right? It's just humanly impossible. And so he had faith in Jesus, confident expectation, something that's humanly impossible. What about Sarah having a baby? You know, she was old. She had confident expectation, according to Hebrews, that God was going to give her a baby. Humanly impossible, but yet she had faith in God. What about Abraham sacrificing Isaac to God or getting ready to sacrifice him? God had promised him in Genesis 21, actually we just had that in Sunday school, that Abraham, or that Isaac was going to be the way that God was going to bring all the descendants. And yet, next chapter, God says, okay, I want you to take Isaac and go sacrifice him. That doesn't make any sense, but God, Abraham had faith 
So humanly, no sense, but Abraham had faith. Uh, we could go on. Isn't there example after example? That's what faith is in the Bible. We see constant examples of faith. And so uh, biblical faith is based on God and his promises that he's given. We find that in God's word. So that's the first part. Second part, how do you get faith? I mean, and faith is so important. Here's how they did that. According to Hebrews eleven six, that's how you please God. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. How do you get faith? This one is really easy, okay? Hebrews, or Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The Bible, that's where we get our faith. We read about what God did, what God um, said, and we can have confidence in that. Okay, so now, that's the introduction. Now here's this part. We already know all these things, right? We know about faith. We know faith is having confidence in God. We, know, we probably can, if we stop right now and just say, okay, what are some promises God has given? We could probably spend the next good bit just talking about promises God is giving. But the next question, really, this is where we're going to go. Why do we not have faith in God? You know, if God's given us all his promises, why aren't we seeing amazing things that God's promised to happen? Um, in John, it says that we would see greater things than what Jesus did. Jesus saw great things, but it says, you'll see these things in greater works than these you'll do. I think it's in John 14, 7. Why don't we see greater things than that? And I believe there is a good reason. Um, if you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. So Genesis 18, there's a, a, obviously a story, but it illustrates our point and also gives us hope, I believe. So Genesis 18, in this passage, um, Abraham is in a place called Mamre. He's in his tent, and I'm just kind of summarizing a little bit. We're going to start in verse 9, and there appears unto him God and some angels. Okay, we're going to just do that, and, um, and Abraham invites him in, he feeds him a meal, and then... God gives Abraham a message, okay? That's kind of the summarizing of verses 1 through 8. So verse 9, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. Verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have surety bear a child, which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Okay, and then it goes on and talks about other things. But just this short little story here, it shows us two things. First of all, it shows Sarah doubting, obviously, God's specific promise. And then God gives her what I'm going to call the cure for doubt. You know, we have all these promises. We know all these things. I was, I've been in a Baptist church since I was about two weeks old, okay? So I've heard lots and lots of preaching. I got saved when I was five. So I know a lot of these things. And I'm sure that all, a lot of you have been in church longer than I have, Okay. We know lots of facts. We know lots of truths from God's word. But why don't we act on it? And I believe this right here illustrates it. So Sarah, Sarah doubted God's word. Why? There's a couple reasons. It said she was old, uh, verse 11, well stricken in age. So she's probably, she's probably in her 90s at this time. I mean, she's been around a while. Uh, God had promised Abraham the first time, a seed in Genesis chapter 12. And if you were to turn back there, we're not going to. It says Abraham was 75 years old. So let's just do the math here. If Abraham is 75 then, and he's 100 when Isaac's born, okay? So this is one year before. So Abraham was 99. How many years ago did God promise that he was going to have a son? 24 years. Okay, so then that first time he said, okay, I have a steward. And God said, no, you're going to have a son. And then probably about 12 years into this, then Sarah had the wonderful idea of having the handmaid, Hagar, come. And they said, well, we're gonna I can't have any children. Let's see if um, God will bless this one. And so they had that son, and God said, no, you're going to have a son through Sarah. And so here, this has been 24 years. They've already tried two different ways to have a, a descendant. 
someone that God's going to bless, and God said, no, that's gonna, not going to be. Can you imagine, can you put yourself in Sarah's place, you know? God promised so many years ago, and that's when you could still have children. And now you can't have children. You've already tried several different ways. Circumstances just do not seem like they are very uh, good for having children at that time, do they? I mean, you look, Sarah looked at herself and said, I can't have any children. She looked at the circumstances, and we've already tried two different ways. You can just look at so many things. Humanly, it was impossible to have children. Can you blame Sarah for laughing, really? I mean, I might have done the same thing, saying, well, that's, that's funny. I can't see that happening. What about us? You know, think, let me just list a couple promises that God's given. We, you, we can think of so many more. John 4.35, God promises that there will be a white harvest, that there are people out there right now that are ready to hear the gospel. And yet, if, if I was to go out, I'd look at people and I'd say, that person's not ready. Now, obviously, I'm not God. I can't see their heart. And we don't know who God's been working on. But yet, God knows, and he says, you know, there are people out there that are ready to be saved right now. I look at it and say, I mean, that, that looks impossible. That person, not, not even close. And this person, they don't look like it. You know, and, and we're tempted to do that. Um, God says that he's with us as we go into the world to share the good news. You know, so I go out there and give the gospel. You know what? God is with me. Gen- that's Matthew chapter 28, 18 and 20. God's given us all authority. And then in 20, Matthew 20, he says that he's with us. You know, it's not like I'm just going out there on my own strength, by myself, got to figure out the right words. No, he's right there with me. And yet I go out there and, you know, sometimes it does not seem like that. It seems like, boy, I'm out here by myself. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm talking to, but God's with me. He promised that. Um, Genesis, uh, John 14, 12, there's a verse. We will do greater works than Jesus did while here on the earth. You know, I look at the things Jesus did here in the Gospels. And he did some amazing things, didn't he? You know, the blind seeing, lame walking, um, all those, you know, the dead brought back life, all those amazing things. And then Jesus says in John 14, 12, as he's talking to disciples, you're going to do greater works than these. Did you ever think about that? You know what I'm doing right now? Is that greater than what Jesus is doing? Did I, do I really believe that Jesus is going to allow me to do more amazing things than what he saw here on the earth? That's a promise. And there are many other promises. You know, he's going to be with us as we pray in groups of where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst, Matthew 18, 20. And, you know, we can just go on. There's promises throughout the Bible. And yet we look at them and maybe we say, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, that person, they are a people person. You know, the Steinbarts, they're going to Kenya. They must really like talking to people. That's not true, okay? Just put that out there. But, you know, they must really like talking to people. So the Great Commission, that's for them. But, you know, for us staying here in India, that's not really for us. Maybe we wouldn't say that, but sometimes we get that impression. I thought that, too, as far as, you know, I'm just not as good talking and giving the gospel to people as someone else. I'm not an evangelist, okay? You know, I don't do that. Or I'm not the pastor. I don't do that. And yet, these promises are for all of us. So, our tendency is to doubt God, is it not? I mean, we've kind of seen that. We, can't look at, we look at our circumstances and say, you know, it's just not the right time. You know, maybe I'm going through the checkout line and I have my kids with me and I say, you know what? My kids just need to get home. You know, I have four of them. The oldest is six. They keep us busy. And you know what? This one needs a nap. So I can't, I don't have time to talk to someone about the Bible. I can't give them a track. You know, I don't want to do anything or, or, you know, whatever excuse they come up with. Circumstances make things look impossible. We can look at our personality and say, you know what? I am not a people person like so-and-so. Or I just don't have, you know, the, uh, the talent or ability for giving the gospel and being good with words. You know, someone else, they're just so good with words, and me, I'm just not that way. Uh, we, we look at our, um, we can't see God and his promises, but we can see our troubles. It's like we, we lose sight of the forest for the trees. Have you ever heard that expression? You know, we're like in the middle of the forest, and all you see is the trees right in front of you, but you forget the big aspect. Uh, and it's not that we mean to doubt God. It's not that we say, well, I'm going to doubt God today. I don't think any of us means to doubt God. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. We know things about God, right? Many of us know things about God. We've heard stories about God's provisions and faithfulness. But I don't know about you. I'm a very visual person. I like to see things. And yet faith is not that way, is it? So what does God's cure for faith? That's really what I want to do. I want to be, that's all the depressing stuff, okay? But what does God tell Sarah? Does he say, okay, stop, 
Stop laughing. Stop doubting. No. Verse 14, he gives us several different things that we should do. And we say, okay, you know, here's these promises, and yet I am not seeing them. And we recognize, you know, I'm doubting God. So how do I fix that? The first thing, he asks the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? So let me ask you, is anything too hard for God? We all know that, right? And that's kind of like a no-duh question, right? So the, the thing that God is doing here is he's saying, stop looking at yourself. Look at who I am. God, there's nothing too hard for God, is there? And so we look at white harvest or giving the gospel or whatever, and we say, that's too hard for me. Well, it's not about me. It's about God. Sarah said, you know, I can't have kids. I'm too old. But wait, we forgot. God's the one that promised. There's nothing too hard for God. With God, all things are possible. That's what the Bible says. So the first thing is, ask yourself the question, you know, is anything too hard for the Lord? Look back at God. He's the one that made that promise. Second, God reminds her, he says, at the time appointed, I will return her to thee. So God's saying, my timing is perfect. Okay, so, you know, I might think, well, my wife and I are in deputation, and I think, you know what? I think I should have been on the field last year. But yet, God's timing is perfect. And last year would not have been right. But he knows when I get to the field will be right. And there's so many things throughout our life. You know, we need to trust that God, who is sovereign, who is in control, that his timing is perfect. In our minds, it doesn't look right. You know, I think, oh, it's got to happen right now, or it's got to happen at such and such. God knows those things, okay? God is so much smarter than we are. We all know that, right? I'm not saying anything like, wow, I never thought about God being that way. No, God is those things. We know that. But we need to trust him because there's nothing too hard for God. His timing is perfect. The third thing, he's a person to be remembered. I highlighted this one letter word in my Bible. So it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I. Who's making that statement? God is. Now, if I made that statement, that wouldn't really mean anything. But here's God saying, you know what? I am going to do this. Now, we already said, okay, God is God. There's nothing too hard for him. His timing is perfect. And he's saying, you know what? I'm the one to be remembered here. It's all about God. And then the last question is, he had given a promise to Abraham and Sarah, hadn't he? And if God gives a promise, can God lie? That's Titus 1-2. God cannot lie. So he says, uh, and Sarah shall have. That's kind of the idea. Will. This is a certain fact. This is going to happen. This time next year, Sarah is going to have a baby. Because God is God. His timing is perfect. And he promised. It's, he's, he's can't lie. So how does that help us? Okay, so when we come and we say, well, you know, this can't happen. We should say, wait, who made that promise? I didn't make that promise. God made that promise. There's nothing too hard for God. There, his timing is perfect. Maybe this is not the time for this right now. But he has a perfect timing. He's giving me a promise. He's going to make it happen because he can't lie. So look back, really simply, look back at who God is. I mean, that's really the cure for doubt, the simple version. Does that, does that bear out in Scripture? Or does it happen other times? Well, think about the story of Peter. We're not going to turn there. Peter, of course, you know, he's in the boat, and they, him and the disciples see Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out. So then Jesus says, come, and so he steps out of the boat. So he's trusting Jesus, right? But then it says, and when he saw the storm and the winds and the waves, he began to sink. What happened to Peter's faith? He stopped looking at Jesus and the incredible things that Jesus could do. And he started looking at himself. And as circumstances, he says, there is no way I could be walking on the water. This is too crazy. And he starts sinking. And Jesus comes and says, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why? What is he saying? You stop looking at Jesus, the person that allowed this to happen. And you start looking at yourself, at your circumstances, and of course, then it fails. We can go. Um, we can think of other. What about Moses? God came to Moses in the burning bush, and Moses says, "You know what? I cannot lead the people." And God said He was going to be with them. And eventually, when Moses did look back and say, "Okay, yes, humanly, I cannot lead the people. I, I'm not good speaker. I'm not whatever." But when he trusted God, look at what God did through Moses. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I've just been reading some of those stories, and 
can you imagine all the logistics of taking a people, several million people, out of Egypt through the wilderness for 40 years? That's amazing. And getting the Ten Commandments and all those different things that Moses saw, and yet Moses did have faith. Now, he, he had times of doubting. I'm not saying that. And then um, you have the story of Gideon, same thing. And one passage more I want you to turn to, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Several passages we'll turn to, but Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is the end of the story uh, for Sarah. Or not Hebrews 11.1, 1. Hebrews 11.11. Just read my notes. Okay, so we see Sarah doubting Genesis 18. Hebrews 11.11, this is New Testament, the faith chapter. Hebrews 11.11 says, Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of child when she was past age. And here's why. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. You know what? She stopped looking at herself and she said, Nope, God promised and he's faithful, so I'm going to trust him. And then God gave her a son. She cured, and God doesn't list her doubt, does he? He just says, you know what? She had faith. Isn't that encouraging for us? We can say, you know, I doubt God, and oh, I, I just failed him so many times, but yet God looks at our faith. And according to Hebrews 11:6, just a few verses sooner, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. And then it goes on from there. So when we have faith, though, that's how you please God. God doesn't look at all the times you didn't have faith. He says, wow, you had faith in me. I'm pleased. That brings glory to God. But there's one warning that goes along with this, okay? So we can doubt God, and what does it matter? Does it really matter? And also in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, um, 3, just so just turn a few chapters earlier, and this is where the, just to make sure we're on the same page, this is why faith is so important. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 3, starting in verse 7. So this is, uh, the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians, and they were being tempted to go back to Judaism because they were pers being persecuted. It was too hard to be a Christian for many other reasons. He kind of listened here. And he's saying, you know, Christ is better than Moses. Christ is better than an angel. Christ is better than all these things. And then he goes on and he gives some several illustrations from Jewish history about what happened when people did not trust in God. And so this one is talking about the Israelites in the wilderness. Verse 7 of Hebrews 3, Hebrews 3, 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation. And said, they do always err in their heart. And they have not known my way, so I swear in my wrath they should not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Okay, and it goes on, um, verse 19, so we could see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Okay, and then it goes on from there. So what is he saying? Okay, so you have the Israelites. They come out of the promised land. God promised, or they came out of Egypt, going to the promised land. God promised them, you will go to the promised land. I have a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to take care of you. And he actually had that pillar that led them by day and by night. So God's presence was physically there. But yet, what do we see the Israelites doing over and over and over again? The complaining, doubting God. God, you brought us out here into the desert to die. God, you're not giving us water. You know, all, everything. You know, they just complain about everything. Even though they had clear promises from God. And God said, okay, they cannot enter into his rest because they doubted. They could not go into the promised land because they did not have faith in God's promises. And so the writer of Hebrews here says, let us therefore fear, lest God's given us a promise and we don't enter into that promise because we doubt God, just like the Israelites. And there's clear promises, and we can look at who God is, you know, and we can say, wow, God is awesome. God is sovereign. He knows everything. He, he made everything. We can go all these attributes of God, and we know them in our head, you know, like me. I have been in church all my life. I know lots of things about God. 
but sometimes there seems to be a disconnect between what I know and what I know. You know, like, okay, yeah, I really believe God's going to answer my prayers. I know he can, but do I believe he's going to answer my prayers? You know what I'm, do you see what I'm saying? There seems to be a disconnect between some of those things. Or, yes, I know God wants to save people. But sometimes it seems like, well, but God can't use me to save me. God can't use me to give the gospel to somebody because I'm not very good with words or I'm not very brave or I'm not a people person or whatever. We look at our circumstances and God is not pleased. We cannot enter into his rest, into resting on those promises, into seeing God work when we doubt God. That's the, that's the danger. That's why this is such an important aspect of our Christian life. So, but it's very easy to fix, just like we saw Sarah. And God remembered Sarah in Hebrews 11 said, you know, she had faith in God because she looked at who God was and he was faithful who promised and she saw God fulfill his promise. So God's given us lots of promises. Are we going to be like Sarah before or Sarah in Hebrews 11? Are we going to be like the Israelite people that wandered the wilderness? Are we going to be like the Israelites that came into the promised land? Are we going to be like any of those great Christians we read about in the past where we, they said, you know, God is faithful who promised. He gave us these promises, and we're going to believe them. Are we just going to be people that don't really impact Putnamville and the surrounding areas? Or for us, going to Kenya, and you know what? We might as well just stay at home if we don't believe God. What kind of people are we going to be? And if we have faith in God, it says that pleases God, that glorifies God, that's the people God delights to use. And those are the people we read about them here in the Hall of Faith, or the chapter of faith, Hebrews 11. We read about them in our uh, missionary biographies. Those people had faith in God. And are we like those people? The difference is they looked at who God was and his characteristics and his timing. They trusted God instead of their circumstances. And it's really easy. I know for myself, it's really easy to look at myself, my circumstances, and say, no, it's just... I just can't do that. Well, that's exactly right. But are you looking at God? We know things about God. Let's connect the two, our faith and what we know about God, and let God work. So again, are you having faith in God? We can stop doubting him right now. Just put our eyes back on Jesus. Pastor, would you come? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Thank you, Brother Steinbart. I do appreciate the challenge on faith this morning. Kind of goes with our theme, looking to Jesus, trusting Him, keeping our eyes on Him, having a vision of God. Because anytime we get our eyes on our circumstances or our situations, um, God is no longer in the view. And so we need to keep our eyes on Him and challenge you this morning. God spoke to your heart. I don't know where you're at this morning, but God spoke to your heart. And I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then Brother Adam's going to begin playing softly. God spoke to your heart. I'm going to challenge you to come and just do business with him this morning. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, what we've heard this morning, the challenge from your word. Lord, just to to trust you, uh, even when things don't seem to make sense, when things uh, seem to be overwhelming. Lord, we need to keep our eyes on you, realizing who the promise uh, giver is, the one that gave the promise, the one that uh, can see us through all these uh, situations. And God, I pray that you'll take this message, apply it to our hearts, that we may be better servants for you. Lord, maybe there's one here today that doesn't know you. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Speak to our hearts as only you can. We'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet with your heads bowed and eyes are closed? God spoke to your heart. Would you come? question is this morning, what is your eyes on? What are you looking at? What's in your hand? What are you not willing to give up or relinquish unto the Lord? Sometimes we like to wallow in our situations, but that's a thing that's holding us back. 
just need to trust him, look to him. and we'll close. <clears throat> Amen. You may be seated. Again, appreciate you being here this morning. Got a, a card. They're here with us this morning, but I got a card from Brother Kirk and Miss Mona. Uh, just wanting to thank the church. Uh, thank, uh, we'd like to thank Pastor Brown and our church family for all the prayers, love, and support during Kirk's surgery. It's meant a lot to us. Above all, we want to thank the Lord for His goodness and for meeting all of our needs. Loving Christ, Brother Kirk and Miss Mona Hutchison, do appreciate your continued prayers for them as, they, uh, as Brother Kirk is uh, on the recovery. And uh, we do appreciate this family. And then also got word from Brother John this morning. Hi, Brother John. Uh, but anyways, uh, he, uh, he's um, having a hard time in the mornings and uh, a lot of pain still, uh, but he's doing well. And so I would uh, ask that you would continue to pray for him and uh, uh, pray for Miss Marla as she's She's doing everything like always. I guess nothing's changed. But uh, anyways, we, we love them so much and uh, appreciate the continued prayers for them. do want to remind you of a few things. Our Missionary of the Week, uh, Brother Richard and Miss Oksana uh, Mayer. Our Deacon of the Week, Brother Ed Buchanan. Our Family of the Week, uh, Tim Watson Family. Then our Trustee of the Week, Brother Jimmy Clevenger. Remember these folks in your prayers, if you uh, would, please. And then this coming Friday, uh, Saturday is our prayer breakfast. We'll have meet in the uh, fellowship hall there at 9 o'clock. Everyone's invited to come to that. That's this Saturday at 9 o'clock. And then uh, on February the 11th at 7 o'clock, we're going to be meeting at the Putnam Inn. Uh, we're going to um, have a, just a sweetheart's dinner. I want you to bring your sweetheart. Maybe get mom and dad or someone to watch the, the kids for, the, uh, for a couple hours. And so you and mama can go out and just uh, have a nice dinner. If you don't want to go with us, then say you're going with us and go somewhere else. Or, but anyways, just, uh, just have a good time with each other. And I uh, want you to uh, try to plan on going to that. All right, I think that's all the announcements I have. We'll go ahead and have the men come forward. Or we'll uh, take up this morning's tithes and offerings. Yes. Okay. Uh, please pray for Miss Jamie. Uh, she's got an infection in her foot. She just had surgery a couple weeks ago. And so would ask that you would remember her in your prayers, Miss Jamie Christman. And I would appreciate that. All right. Brother Tim, sir, would you please?
all stand. We'll close with a prayer. We'll take a five-minute break um, and then come right back in here for our afternoon service. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for allowing us to be in your house and to worship and praise you this morning. It's been good to be in your house. Lord, we, our hearts is full and we've been challenged from your word this morning. Lord, I ask, uh, Lord, that you would uh, be with our second service, speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, I pray for those that are uh, unable to stick around this afternoon. Lord, I pray that you would just go with them as they go their separate ways. Lord, thank you again. We love you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.